0: The president tweeted that he said he pardoned Michael Flynn. There's really no reason why the president can't pardon any of his close aides or his family. The tricky question comes when you ask whether he can pardon himself. And
1: that's a question that's never actually been answered. Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is The Transition, a special edition of Political Theater. It's Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. The 2021 January 20th inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will largely be without public attendance, a nod to keeping people safe amid the COVID 19 pandemic. Although vaccines are starting to be distributed in the United States, we're still a long way from herd immunity. Not wanting the inauguration to become some kind of super spreader event, the Joint Congressional Committee on Inaugural Ceremonies said today that each member of the 117th Congress will receive a ticket for themselves and one guest. For a typical inauguration, the committee would provide about 200,000 tickets distributed to congressional offices to give to constituents, often through lottery systems. That's not going to happen next year. The committee and the Biden team will continue to work on safe ways to show the ceremony, reflecting its historic significance. One of the models is this year's Democratic National Convention, which was largely virtual and featured people participating from every corner of the country. Meanwhile, as the final days of the 116th Congress fall off the calendar, people are, perhaps bravely, taking stock of the year and its biggest stories. One of the biggest stories of this year, and for the last five for that matter, is the way President Donald Trump shattered political and societal norms and expectations. CQ Roll Call senior writer Todd Ruger has spent a great deal of his life documenting this norm busting, from Trump refusing to release his tax returns, to defying congressional subpoenas, and filing lawsuit after lawsuit to overturn the election. Now, with the Trump administration coming to a close, where do we go from here? Todd, you have 30 seconds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, in 30 seconds, I would say this. We we have a new uh, administration coming in. We have a new Congress coming in. And you have one party, the House Democrats, uh, who have been trying to do a bunch of uh, o- overhauls and, and try to, trying to constrain the presidency. And you have another uh, party, uh, the Republican Party, that has not wanted to do anything to uh, constrain a President Trump. And now that uh, that pressure is off, uh, people are looking that maybe something could happen next Congress to address some of the things that, that President Trump did. So,
1: I mean, this does make sense. And and thank you for almost getting it into 30 seconds. Um, because you fell short of that, we're going to have to do a full podcast now. Um, <laughs> no... Um, but uh, this does make sense to uh, to a certain extent, right? Um, I mean, Democrats as the minority party in the House, as the as the chamber, they control the chamber that impeached the president. Um, th- you would expect that they would, you know, sort of take umbrage to the way Trump has has acted toward them, because you know, let's face it, uh, he's uh, he's really gotten under their skin. Um, Republicans, of course, are like, nope, this is just us being like. Winners. <laughs> well, now that uh, President Trump has lost the election and is on his way out of the office and Biden, uh, as you said, is, is coming in, will be inaugurated on January 20th, it looks like. Would there be impetus for Republicans to say like, oh, yeah, let's definitely rein in the Biden administration? Um, let's start with some of the things that are probably doable. Um. with, uh, let, let's talk about congressional subpoenas because in this case, you may not even need legislation, right? You may not even need, you could just have one chamber say, you know, we're going to change the way subpoenas go. Let's talk about that first before we get into some of the constitutional issues of pardoning, the pardoning power and so forth.
0: So right now, um, one of the easiest things for House Democrats to do would be to change their own House rules. There's a proposal from Rep. Ted Lieu of California Uh, and some of his Democratic colleagues um, that doesn't need the the Senate's approval. It doesn't need the president's signature. It just needs the House to vote. Um, And what it would do is put some teeth behind congressional subpoenas in that uh, they would be able to fine government officials who don't comply with the House subpoenas. And and what Ted Lieu told me was, hey, uh, Republicans should be on board with this. Because it's not about a Democratic president, it's not about a Republican administration. It's about congressional power. Um, and now that that it's not, um, you know, Trump versus the House Democrats, maybe they they will sign on.
1: And I, I mean, are there some uh, separation of powers issues there uh, with one? You know, uh, the 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 Supreme Court tends to uh, be asked to referee disputes between uh, the executive branch and the legislative branch when it comes to these things. We have the advise and consent clause of the Constitution, which says that you know uh, uh, members of Congress can't get speeding tickets on their way to votes and so forth. Um, is this does this bring up some separation of power issues if the if the House were to say like we're going to fine you if you don't comply with a congressional
0: subpoena? Uh, well, if this were the tr- still going to be the Trump administration, uh, you can almost guarantee like, well, that's going to be in court. You know, that's going to be tied up in court for years because he is going to challenge this fine and the official is going to challenge the fine. That's not to say that, that a Biden administration wouldn't challenge a fine under some way. But what um, Rep. Blue uh, would say, his response would be, we have an inherent contempt process under the uh, under the Constitution where... We can bring we could you know they have in the past they haven't in, in the past hundred years or so but they can actually arrest people for not complying with um, congressional demands and uh, so fining is well within the inherent contempt power as well so um, there might be some standoff but but the Democrats think they've got a constitutional leg to stand on
1: and you know this this discussion uh, comes up every once in a while when somebody does. Uh, Uh, defy a congressional subpoena, refuse to show up, um, and and there, uh, people start talking about inherent contempt about arresting officials. Uh, that brings up the question of whether there's a house jail <laughs> uh, where, right. where they could be yeah. stowed. Um, I mean, in in general, it, it, it could get kind of ugly if you try to arrest uh, a cabinet official because they all have their own security details. So, you know, you don't exactly want some sort of standoff between the Capitol Police or the Sergeant at Arms and the, uh, you know, the Secret Service or whomever is uh, protecting the, the protective detail for a cabinet secretary. So this seems to be like finding them seems to be a little bit more uh realistic than than hauling throwing them into the catacombs of the house or something.
0: Right, yes, and I, again though this is this is what the Trump administration has done. I mean, Trump at one point said we're going to oppose all the subpoenas. Like it didn't matter. He was just not going to cooperate with um with House Democrats and that message went throughout the government and um, people didn't show up to to depositions, people delayed, people didn't give over documents. The Justice Department um, fought uh, in court to not have White House uh, counsel testify it, uh, before the House Judiciary. The Je- Justice Department went to court to stop uh, the, the House Judiciary Committee from getting documents related to the Mueller special counsel investigation. Uh, and so we're having this conversation because traditionally the administration has agreed like, okay, Congress, you have some oversight power and we're going to negotiate and get it done. And the courts haven't had to be involved. Now um, that, that has changed. He's, he's illuminated this area where the, the norms can just be disregarded by a future president.
1: And, and I think that that, you know, really is sort of the crux of this is that I think we've gotten a crash course that a lot of government functions, at least particularly with regard to oversight of the government, uh, is, is conducted through goodwill and cooperation and, and that's a norm that is now gone. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's not that every, every presidential candidate released, uh, their tax returns, but Trump, you know, very, um, you know, he, he concocted this story about being under audit forever, you know, and and refused to release any of his his tax returns. Um, we, you know, we never got those kind of reports that we did during the Obama administration and the Bush administration and the Clinton administration about how much money the first family made and so forth. Um, that's another uh, area that could be addressed, but that would require legislation to to have presidents be forced to uh, reveal their tax returns, correct?
0: Right, I mean that is part of the, a, a br- very broad package of reforms that the House Democrats have settled on uh, in, in, one, in one bill. Uh, the, the main sponsor is Adam Schiff, who also um, was the lead on the impeachment um, and, and protecting you know con- Congress and whistleblowers uh, that report to Congress in um, the inspector generals that you know investigate their own agencies um, and and so. You know, when when a lot of a lot, one of my things that I've said so frequently in the last five years is some people have asked me, "Can can Trump do that? Can he do that?" And the answer is like, "Well, it's never been tested in the courts. Nobody knows." Um, and and so one of those things is is the tax return issue. Uh, you know, can they be forced to release their tax returns? Um, and uh, and and Trump brought this up in a way that, that pre- other presidents haven't because he was a businessman who had so many um, you know different businesses and, and aspects and hotels uh, you know he even owned a hotel that uh, is under lease from the government and that brought us to another question which is emoluments. You know, the, a president. There's a your clause favorite word.
1: I know you love that word. Emoluments. Just keep saying it. Emoluments. There's a clause
0: <laughs> in there, there's a clause in the in the con- emoluments. Now there's a clause <laughs> in the Constitution that prevents the president. Basically, it's an anti-corruption statute to prevent a president from benefiting from the office. That those those sorts of things went through court. We never really got uh, uh, an answer in in four years. Um, and so his lack of tax returns. And some of his questionable business practices, and what the House Democrats wanted to investigate—that all that all collided in a way that that illuminated just how important it can be to get those tax returns in a way that you know it really hasn't it really hasn't been in the past.
1: You mentioned this broad package that Adam Schiff is spearheading uh, in in the House. Uh, is there any kind of analog in the Senate? Uh, has, has there been any? Uh, attempt by somebody in the Senate to p- to pick up the mantle, or is this Schiff uh, right now and and his uh, sort of merry band um, talking about legislation just a few days before the Congress expires, <laughs> um, and and hoping that next year will be better.
0: Well, uh, so so Schiff told us that he even thought about advancing this in the uh, lame duck period here. Um, but that he thinks he can get more Republicans on board next year. So it's looking like next year. And what we have is this one big bill, but there's a lot of separate small individual bills that this this you know, sort of funneled together. A lot of those have been picked up by Democrats on the Senate side. For instance, um there's one right now about uh, that addresses the use of presidential pardon power. And one of those issues that nobody really knows the answer to is, can a president pardon themselves? Can they issue a self pardon? Well, this this particular legislation would say for sure you cannot. You know, a president cannot pardon themselves. Um, whether that's constitutional or whatever down the line, but you have a House House Democrats doing that. You also have a version in the Senate, um, and so a lot of a lot of what I think is going to be interesting to watch next year is how many of these smaller individual bills have a chance versus. This big broader package, you know, every time it's broader, it, it seems somewhat harder to get everybody on board. Um, where if you had, if you had like a, a bill that was just to tax returns, okay, then maybe Republicans get on board. If you have a bill that's just the pardon power, maybe Republicans get on board. But if you start adding in things like, uh, you know, protecting whistleblowers or the Hatch Act or limiting the, the a number of days that an official can be an acting official and run an agency. Um, that, then you start getting you know more and more people that might object to it, um, and then I think what what really is going to come down to like so many things is who controls the Senate. You have the two runoff uh, spots down in georgia the The runoff election uh, could determine who controls the Senate. Uh, Mitch McConnell has not uh, made any comments about any of these proposals, um, and so you don 't know what he might do, but uh, i'm sure Charles Schumer of New York who might, if he were to become the majority leader, um, would be more receptive.
1: And regarding, you know, like we're, we're, we're all kind of wondering like what kind of pardons are, are forth going to be forthcoming in the last days of the Trump administration, uh, whether Trump will try to pardon himself. Um, you know, we've seen these sort of fanciful things about like, he's going to resign and then pencil Pence will like pardon him. Um, Anything that would come up, though, about this would be after Trump does this. (laughs) Uh, and, And usually, if you seek to change a law, you can't punish people for like violating the norms of a law that you change later on. I mean it's you, you can you can't go back and punish somebody, you know, for violating a law that you only just passed. So is is some of this going to be you think moot uh and and we're going to lose some steam on presidential power or will it maybe depend on if he, you know, if he does pardon his kids and this pre, you know, they've talk, there's talk of preemptive pardon. Is, do you think if if it's something really egregious that we might get um like more uh, motivation to, to address the, the pardon issue.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, I think I think if it, you know these next thirty five days or whatever are going to be um, pretty interesting for uh, for many reasons. I think that you already have what Schiff told us is you know we might want to add some stuff to this bill that we already have just because of what's happened in the transition period between uh, the election and January twentieth. For instance, um, the 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 um, GSA. didn't follow the the general rule about uh who appears to be the victor victor in the presidential election and releasing some funds uh because of political pressure uh from the white house uh Uh, another cool
1: word to use ascertainment they did not they did not use the ascertainment uh, tag for
0: joe biden right (laughs) and then there was some concern about not getting the incoming president-elect uh security briefings. So maybe some language about that. And then whatever Trump does um, with the pardons, you know, could could give a lot of energy to uh, this issue. And and what you mentioned, I think, is important because that's what uh, Democrats are sort of hoping is, you know, once Trump is gone, he's still going to be political politically salient, right? I mean, like, there's so many signs that Trump still has a grasp on so much of the base that Republicans depend on to get reelected. So, um, he's still going to have some salience. but if he's not in the, in the office, if these laws aren't going to apply to Trump, they're only going to apply in the future that the, then Republicans will feel somewhat freed, um, from being, uh, you know, from feeling some sort of retribution from the president, uh, if they, if they, um, change and constrain how a president can, can operate.
1: Um, kind of just to kind of like wrap things up. I mean, you've been following so many different lawsuits, uh, pertaining to the Trump administration about the relief, release of his financial records. Um, you know, the, him, you know, not allowing people like Don McGahn, his former white house counsel to, uh, to testify is, is all, are there any of these lawsuits that are going to continue after January 20th or, or do they become kind of moot and people don't want People will either seek to dismiss them because he's no longer president. I mean, are you is is your workload about to like change drastically from having to monitor all these or the, all these court cases to them being not relevant anymore?
0: It's fair to say that there was a lot of lawsuits under trump uh, <laughs> if, if you start just in the back, last month. <laughs> yeah, but if you start thinking back. I mean, it was it's almost been nonstop uh, from the time that that he put into place his first you know so-called travel ban. Um, and there were there were you know there was chaos at the airports because it got put in place right away. Like one of the first things he did was this executive order or actions, and um, and then he ended up having to rewrite it a couple times. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and so it's it, and then now uh, even after he uh, was defeated in the election, he's, he he and his team have filed lawsuit after lawsuit. Uh, Supreme Court has knocked it down. Um, there's a couple of cases that uh, is the balance of power, separation of power between Congress and and the administration, the Don McGahn one, for example, um, that the courts have kicked to next year. So a couple of them were like, well, let's have oral arguments in this case in February. And then, and specifically citing the idea that we'll we'll have a different administration, we'll know it'll be in a different posture. So for instance, um, the House Judiciary Committee sought grand jury materials from the special counsel probe into the 2016 presidential election, Trump's role in that probe, and um, the Justice Department under Trump has opposed that application for those materials, the Biden administration could say, you know what, we're rethinking this and now we're not going to fight it. We're going we're to allow the House Judiciary Committee to get this stuff. So that case, which is at the Supreme Court, could just could just go away um, same with Don McGahn, I mean, if the Justice Department decides we 're not going to protect him or, or seek to prevent him from testifying, that could change the stance in that case completely and so there's a lot of things that are just uh, these lawsuits that are just sort of on hold um, until next year, uh, but there's always going to be you know some things that he did that are still uh, President Trump did that are still under under challenge, and that the Biden administration not, might not be able to unroll right away. so I think these are going to continue. Uh, to roll into the next administration.
1: All right. Well, Todd, thank you so much for uh, um, for keeping track of all this for us. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it has become this sort of cliche that like he's just uh, a disruptor and he's challenged all these norms. And having them actually documented in in court cases and in legislation and so forth is is very helpful. So thank you very much.
0: Sure, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: That's gonna do it for this edition of Political Theatres the Transition. On behalf of the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, thank you for listening.